Hey, welcome back to the Chumashcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about in this episode, continuing in our process through the book of Bamidbar. Again, we're tracking the Parsha of the week, um, but remember that we're not really learning it that way. We're trying to look at the whole Torah and understand what the text is talking about in a very holistic, integrated way. And so we're, it's sort of hard to look at Parsha's Balos without seeing the earlier parts of, of the book of Bamidbar, which is um, Parsha's Nasso and Parsha's Bamidbar which are the last two episodes. So if you have not heard those episodes, I definitely recommend listening to all three of these together because we're going to have a transition in this episode and in this part of the Torah, in the middle of Baal Oscha, there's going to be a movement to sort of like a different thread or narrative in the stories of the whole book of Bamidbar. And so what that kind of means is that it's, it's, uh, it's important to sort of know where we started and where we've been until now in this book of Bamidbar, and then where we're going next. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to um, take a look at the overview. Like I like to try to do uh, an overview of the whole Parsha in, initially, and then try to delve into a particular part. This, this episode we're going to focus in on one section as the Torah transitions from the initial story to the later story uh, in this whole in this whole Parsha. So as we do that, um, I recommend, again, it's really useful to have already seen the text. So if you haven't seen it yet, then it's a good idea to sort of take a pause on this and then uh, go and learn through different parts of the text. You could do it in English or in Hebrew um, and get a feel for what's actually going on. And then come back and we'll, we'll go through the overview and then sort of zoom in and actually start applying some of the methodologies that we're really focusing on in the Chumash cast. So in the overview, we have a bunch of seemingly disparate stories, and we have to remember that Parshas Baloscha and the point in the Torah that we're at right now is all kind of building off all the things that happen in Sefer Vayikra and uh, essentially finishing off the story uh, of the of the of the follow through of what happened at Har Sinai. And at Har Sinai, there was this massive consciousness event, which in Parshas Yisro is where that's analyzed fully. We haven't gotten to that episode yet in the Chumash cast in this year at all uh, since the inception, but. Uh, we still spoke about it in previous episodes, but the consciousness event in which all of reality was ripped open, and then the people of B'nai Israel, the family of Israel, they essentially got exposed to the ocean of consciousness that is underneath all being, and experienced themselves deeply and fully consumed by that and absorbed by that. So the construction of the Mishkan after that, after that entire experience, was essentially designed to take that experience and extend it uh, and and sort of um, maintain it as these as these people, uh, the family of Israel, were going to start journeying towards their their homeland. And then the next phase of that was going to be to install that same Mishkan type technology in the land of Israel, and then create a situation in which you actually were maintaining and and spreading this consciousness connection with Hashem uh, to the rest of the world in order to correct for the original problem of the Garden of Eden, in, in which uh, the the connective dynamic between human being consciousness fragments and the root of all consciousness, which is Hashem, were sort of broken apart and fragmented by the chet, the, 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 the deviating perspective or deviating activity of eating from the tree of knowledge, the Eitzadas Tovara. So, and again, I just want to remind everyone that if you want to learn more about that story, the Eitzadas story, so we're going to get to it in the Chumash cast when we get to Parshas Barashas, but there's actually a lot of that going on right now in the other two series, the Kabbalah cast and the Sex Torah and Kabbalah series are doing a lot of work on, the, on that particular issue, the particular area. So all these these narratives right now in Sefer Bar Midbar are essentially taking 
the ideas and the experiences of Ahar Sinai and then extending them into the construction of the Mishkan. And then ultimately, as we wrap that up, getting ready to move the people uh, from Har Sinai to the land of Israel, because that's what's supposed to happen in the story. We're supposed to now, having finished, we were at Har Sinai for a little over a year. And then after that year, during which time the construction of the Mishkan took place, the Mishkan was then finally finished on the first of, of Nisan, which is uh, uh, essentially a, a little bit, a year from when, we'll say a year from when Pesach was sort of about to happen in the, in, in the land of Egypt. And then uh, after that, after the Pesach story happened, then, you know, the people went to Har Sinai. We left Egypt and then went to Har Sinai. So we're about a year out from that. And so as the Mishkan is completed, we have all these different procedures that took place. And we spoke about all the different things that happened. Uh, the mistake of Nadav and Avihu. And these are all parts of the ramp leading up to where we are now in Parshas Baaloscha. And some of the elements of Parshas Baaloscha actually took place earlier in Sefer Bamidbar too. Like this story, there's one story here. The second story in Parshas Baaloscha is about the Levim. How the Levim are now going to replace the firstborn and be the the uh, the maintainers and the the constructors and deconstructors of the Mishkan as the people are moving through the desert towards Israel, that's going to be their job. They're essentially kind of like the they're the, the, the ones who run and maintain the Mishkan, allowing the Kohanim to do their job in terms of dealing with all the Kadosh aspects of the Mikdash and the Mishkan, like the Korbanos, the sacrifices, those types of things. And so the, the um, introduction of the Levium into that role was already mentioned in the previous two parshios, but here we actually have the story of it really happening, and this happened actually earlier than the events in the previous partial. So the things here are out of order in, in a, for a bunch of reasons that we really addressed in the last episode in Parshas Nasso. Um, so we have this this introduction with the, this random, seemingly random story about Aharon, how he has to, he's the one who's responsible for the for the uh, menorah and the candles in the in the Mishkan, and it sort of seems a little bit out of place in a certain way. Um, the, the Medrash deals with that. It's also very. It's also the third time in the Torah this is even mentioned. This particular story, so it's kind of redundant. The question is why is it being said again here, and and, and there's a lot to figure out with that. We have the Levium story, trying to understand exactly the different procedures that were enacted in order to uh, essentially consecrate. We could use the word dedicate the Levium to their job in in the Mishkan as the as the maintainers, constructors, deconstructors. Um, and then we have, after that, we have a, a few more details about the Levium. Then we have another story about the Korban Pesach, because now, if you remember the timeline here, so the Torah now is talking about a year after Nisan from last year, and so we have this introduction of the Korban Pesach, and a very strange story where suddenly there's a whole new type of Korban Pesach which is in- introduced, which if you read the story, so it's called Pesach Sheni, uh, nowadays we call that's what we call it, it's called a second Pesach, and it exists because there are a bunch of people who are unable to fulfill the Korban Pesach uh, because they had uh, they had Tumah and uh, essentially they got overexposed to death in such a way that was destructive to their perceptions and they're not allowed to interact with the Mishkan in that state because the Mishkan is a, is a context of deep profound uh, connection to that which is beyond the body and that which is endless and so then to be in a state of Tumah where you're exposed to death which is essentially the finite element of existence so then that, that sort of shrinks down your consciousness in such a way that now you can't actually um, interact with the deeper aspects of being until you can sort of uh, undo the damage of that encounter with death. And so these people came to Moshe and said, well, it's not so fair that we can't actually uh, uh, essentially go through this experience of the Korban Pesach the way everybody else can. And and so Moshe went to Hashem, and, and the text describes how this, this fascinating phenomenon where people made a request, and Hashem said, okay, you know what, we'll make a whole new 
mitzvah or a whole new activity, a whole new way of dealing with this problem that now instead of it being in the middle of Nisan, a month later we can do a Korban Pesach again for anybody who missed it for legitimate reasons. So that's a fascinating thing by itself. Like, how is that even, a, like, how, how, that we don't see that kind of thing very often that, that people can come with a request and then and ask Hashem for some new uh, addendum to the Torah and some new way of dealing with a, with a particular uh, aspect of halacha, and suddenly Hashem's like, oh yeah, here's a new way we can deal with that problem. So that's that's that story. So we have two very, very, uh, I, I want to say difficult stories after this, because it's hard to figure out why they're even here. One is a story that's very long. Um, it describes this dynamic between the Mishkan and the clouds of Hashem, and that when the clouds of Hashem, these, there were these clouds that covered the Mishkan, as soon as the Mishkan was built, there was a cloud that was on top of the Mishkan all the time. And then whenever the people of Israel were supposed to start traveling, so the, the cloud would go up, and then people would start traveling. And there's this long text, it's something like uh, 10, different, 10, 10 different sentences describing up, down, the cloud is going this way, going that way, the people would go, then they would not go, they would stop, they would park. And it's really very detailed. And if you took this paragraph out of the Torah, I'm not really sure what we would be missing. I'm not sure exactly what this paragraph is adding. It's a very difficult paragraph. It needs to be analyzed very intensively. And we're not going to do that in this episode, but it's just food for thought. If anybody read this paragraph and was wondering what this is talking about, uh, I'm right with you. I feel that very much. Um, and then the next paragraph, we have something a little bit similar. It's sort of like a procedural uh, story about these trumpets. And so the trumpets also similarly, um, well, trumpets sounds like there's actually a bunch of applications in halacha of what the purpose of these trumpets is, but we're going to skip over this. Just note that it's an interesting story that needs analysis as well. And then the text starts to tell us about the actual traveling of the people. And here is where we're start, starting to get into a narrative uh, component of the story. And, and, and it's almost like, you know, when you read the story, so it tells us how they're getting ready to start journeying. All the camps that we've learned about in earlier parshios, the camps that were designed to protect the Mishkan and sort of uh, create a situation in which the there was no possibility of people like Nadav and Avihu did uh, getting into the space of the Mishkan, the, the internal space, and, and damaging themselves or damaging other people by doing that. And it's a, there's this structure, a hierarchical structure, that essentially protects the people around the Mishkan and protects the Mishkan from the people. So that way there is exactly the right amount of openness and, and boundaries between Hashem and the people at any given time. And so these camps are now breaking apart and beginning to journey in a particular order and structure as well. Then there's this very strange uh, digression where the Torah tells us about um, the story about this character named Chovav. And we're not going to delve into that either, but that story needs tremendous focus by itself. It has massive problems with it. But in that story... So we have this line where the text says, Hashem derech yamim. And so essentially the text is describing how we started to journey now um, away from Har Sinai. Finally, after you know a year and a month or so, uh, uh, leaving Har Sinai and carrying all the things that we're now carrying, all the ideas, all the experiences, the Mishkan as the ultimate result of the Har Sinai experience. And now we start to journey. And it says that we, as we started, so the... There's this Aron Brit Hashem no Salif Nehem Yamim. And there's this some kind of Aron, like a like some kind of closet, uh, a box, some kind of container that is now traveling ahead of the people, and it's going, it's it's going. You know, they journey for three days, and this 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 uh, container that's traveling ahead of them goes goes ahead for three days in order to sort of explore the path that's a scout out for them, Latur Lahemenucha, to sort of scout out a path that's going to be easy for them to to journey on. And then it says, "Vanan Hashem alehem yomam benasam min hamachane," and this same cloud of Hashem is sort of on top of them as they are as they are journeying from their encampment that they had 
next to next to Harsina. So we got to reorganize. Everybody's in camps. We start journeying the camps. We have this Aron that is leading us three days into the desert, and uh, and everybody's following it. And that's where the, the, that story ends. And then we have this very strange uh, two-sentence digression where the text says that when the Aron, this container, would start to journey, so Moshe, Moshe would say, Kuma Hashem Moshe would say, uh, Arise Hashem and all your enemies are going to be like uh, scattered before you. They're going to run away. All people who hate you are going to run away from your face. And then it says, that when the Aaron would sort of come to rest, and Moshe would say this other statement and sort of say like, everybody come back, some kind of a, a little bit of an ambiguous statement. And this, this, uh, this two-sentence segment essentially seems to be describing something to do with the Aaron, as the Aaron is kind of going out. So this, that's this container. And it's basically Moshe sort of looking at it and saying, this is going to change this is going to push people out of the way it's going to be our vanguard it's going to it's latour la maybe in more ways than one it sounds like it's going to explore the path but really to explore the path in in the sense that it's going to help us to get through the desert safely in terms of the desert the mountains the terrain but maybe also it's talking about the actual people that we're going to encounter and the aron is kind of like representative of hashem's protection as it as it kind of goes ahead and and pushes the potential enemies out of our way to let us get to where we need to go that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like 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 Moshe is saying that the that the enemies of, of the people of Israel, enemies of Hashem, really, are going to be uh, scattered by this this procession with the Aron in the front. And that's all very good. And if you think about that, so the distance from uh, from Har Sinai until the land of Israel is not very long. In fact, the Medrash believes that this three day period was supposed to be enough to get the whole people to the land of Israel. That's what was actually supposed to happen at this point in the story. And then suddenly we have this other story which starts. And, and, and the story that starts, we're going to now start to zoom in and actually deal with uh, some of the issues here much more in depth. And I want to just remind everyone that whenever you're uh, learning a story like this, we have to look for the gaps and the things that are missing. And I want to just mention the big question here. I think the thing that's really, really missing uh, very, very uh, centrally in the story we're about to read. And the story starts off describing essentially things start going dramatically wrong and the people start complaining. All kinds of things are not are not positive. And the thing that's missing in the story is it is not stated what causes this change. In other words, if I had to pick lots of small questions here, things that are strange about the language, and we're going to see some of those things too as we, as we explore. But there is one gigantic big question here, which is when you actually read the text and you're just trying to learn the words, understand what they're saying, you're going to see that there is no... Uh, description or there's no transition from this journey that is essentially we're on the way to the land of Israel three days out and we're going to get there and everything is going well. We have the Aron leading the way. We have all our organization is now sort of put together and then we're just going to the land of Israel and suddenly out of nowhere we have this line that the people suddenly become like sort of self-centered in a certain kind of way. We have to figure out what exactly those words mean. But they start to do things that are problematic, and Hashem responds to that, and there's like a, a, a tragic uh, response in which people die, it sounds like. And then it's and then the, t- the story continues to, to devolve in that direction. And you're looking at this, and you're like, the big question here is, what happened? What changed? What caused this to happen? What is the driving force in the story here that caused this new narrative to suddenly branch off from the story that we were just going straight towards the land of Israel, and now we have instead this massive, massive... Uh, you know, it's not even, a, it's a digression, literally and figuratively and, you know, physically. And so that's the big question here that I think uh, we have to analyze now. Hey, I am Zev Bannett and you are watching Yesod Blocks. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear the rest of this episode, you can check it out at www.yesodblocks.com 
where by subscribing, you can support my work and also get access to a ton of really, really interesting Torah content that I think and believe and hope will change your whole perspective about Torah and the world and yourself. Looking forward to seeing you there, and thanks for watching.